If you have your Bibles, you, you can enter Proverbs chapter 12. And by the way, um, we encourage you to use the church app. If you go on your church app, you can go to Sundays and then hit Bible and then hit Read Now. That will take you right into today's text. So if you, if you want to do that, that would be really good. We encourage that you use the Bible app as well if you have the app there with you. Part 13 uh, of our series, Wisdom That Works, say Wisdom That Works, chapter 12 of Proverbs. And as always, before we even dive into the text, I want to do a quick review from last week's text, chapter 11. And I give you five points, and the first point was honesty and righteousness. Everyone say that. And that's in verses 1 through 8 of chapter 11. And Solomon begins by speaking about integrity Integrity in business transactions, and he makes it very clear that God, listen now, that God hates dishonesty. Yeah? He hates dishonesty. Dishonest skills are an abomination to God. And he wants us to be upstanding in our business transactions and dealings and to deal fairly and honestly, honestly, excuse me, with people. And so he delights, God delights in honesty. That's what he does. He delights in honesty. He loves integrity. Say integrity. And also honesty in all of our dealings. Speaking of integrity, he, he goes on to say, Solomon goes on to say that living with integrity keeps the upright on the right path. And those who indulge in sin are on a destructive path. And I love what verse 8 says of chapter 11. The righteous man is rescued from trouble and it comes on the wicked instead. The second point was words in community say that words in community, and that's in verses 9 through 15. And Solomon speaks about good and bad speech and words that revive or destroy your neighbor or your community. And that the wise must be careful to discern when to speak and when not to speak and not to make a verbal agreement with someone who could easily send you into financial ruin. The third point was kindness or selfishness. Say that. And that's in verses 16 through 22. And Solomon, what he does there, he contrasts kindness with selfishness. And then the fourth point was desires and fulfillment. Say that. Desires and fulfillment in verses 23 through 27. And Solomon there, he points out the contrast of the righteous and the wicked as seen in their destinies. And then finally, the fifth point of last week's text was gain and loss. Say that. That's in verses 28 through 31. And Solomon points out that the one who puts their confidence in their possessions will fall. But those who put their trust in God rather than riches leads to a flourishing life. In other words, they find favor and they flourish in their life. And then he goes on to say that the one who brings trouble on his family will inherit only wind and the fool will be servant to the wise. And then he says the fruit of the righteous. I love this. I love this. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Tree of life. A life that bears good fruit. A life that brings shade and refreshment and sustenance to those around you. And he says, he who wins souls is wise. In other words, good fruit attracts others to see the truth and able to lead them to Jesus. Someone say amen. And then the chapter closes with both the righteous and the wicked. Okay. Uh, receive the expected consequences of their choices. This now brings us to today's text. And you're ready to say yes, amen. But here in this chapter, as we move forward, 
we see the continuation of Solomon's contrast couplets. Contrasting couplets that have been linked together with the word but. Say but. And that's Hebrew poetry. Our poetry is about rhyming words, right? Rhyming words and rhyming sounds. But in Hebrew, poetry is the rhyming of thoughts. Rhyming of thoughts, either in parallel thoughts or in contrasting thoughts. That's what we have here now as we move forward in the book of Proverbs. The title of my message is Rooted in Righteousness. Say that. Now, the Hebrew words in Proverbs, I want you to follow me here now. The Hebrew words in Proverbs that are translated righteousness, upright, or uprightness, those words describe ethical conduct that conforms to God's standards. I'm going to say it again. Describe, those words describe ethical conduct that conforms to God's standards, to God's moral character, that comes from a right relationship with Him and His Word. I'm going to say it one more time. They describe ethical conduct that confirms, conforms, excuse me, conforms to God's standards and moral character that comes from a right relationship with Him and His Word. Got it? So, two points from the text, if you're ready, say yes. Number one is the value of righteousness. The value of righteousness. Write that down. Let's look at verses 1 through 3. And Solomon writes, whoever loves discipline, that word goes like correction, uh, we can say instruction, uh, teaching, uh, reproof. Loves knowledge. So whoever loves discipline, correction, instruction, teaching, reproof, loves knowledge. Say loves knowledge. Listen, a willingness to be taught. This is very key here. A willingness to be taught shows a love for knowledge. Don't you want knowledge? Right? Don't you want knowledge? Now, if you're safe, say amen. And I want to say this. The key to maturing, the key to a maturing faith Righteous living is the ability to receive instruction, correction from God's word and from wisdom, from wisdom, from the wisdom of others. And this attitude, I love this, this attitude welcomes input, input, even if, it, if it's sometimes corrective input. And Solomon's point is not that godly people, right, that godly people enjoy being corrected. I I don't enjoy being corrected, do you? We don't like it, right? We don't enjoy it. Rather, it's that they, that we welcome constructive criticism, right? Reproof, correction, and seek to apply it to our lives. That's what he's talking about here. So whoever loves discipline, correction, instruction, teaching, reproof, loves knowledge. But, here's a contrast, he who hates correction is stupid, <laughs> That's what it says. The King James says, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. Or you can also use the word beast. It means without reasoning. This is a person without reasoning, without intelligence. And so the person who hates correction, the person who hates instruction, one, listen, got to get this now, one who is unteachable. Do you hear that? Who hates reproof from God's word is like an animal. That's what he's saying. And they appear to be no better than a horse or a mule. And the bottom line is this, friends. If you hate discipline, if you hate correction, instruction, reproof, and teaching, then you're stupid. You're dumb. 
And that's what Solomon's driving at. And here's a lesson. You ready? And this has been a, a reoccurring lesson in this series. Here we go. Be teachable. It is extremely important that you and I as believers are teachable. Don't be self-important. Don't be self-assured. Don't be puffed up. Don't, don't, don't be thinking that, that you got it all together, that you've arrived. Okay? In other words, you know what? I, I, I teach myself. I don't need anybody's wisdom. Or I, I teach myself. And by the way, friends, if you have yourself for a teacher, then what you have is a fool for an instructor. Are you with me? Listen, every single day, friends, is a day to learn more. It's a day to grow more, to be challenged. And doesn't God's word challenge us? If you're saved, say amen. If we desire to stay on the path of righteousness, rooted in righteousness, desire to grow wiser, we will welcome that which teaches us, you and I, a lesson, even if it's painful or hard to receive. Yeah? So be teachable. We don't know it all. Be teachable. Verse 2, a good man or woman, this is speaking about ethically good man or woman, one who pleases God, obtains favor from the Lord. I love that. In other words, acceptance. Favor is acceptance. It's, it's goodwill. It's, it's approval. But there's a contrast. The Lord condemns a crafty man. This is one who devises wicked schemes, and the result of living that way is condemnation. Verse 3, a man cannot be established through wickedness. You guys get that? That's very important to know this, right? That a man or woman cannot be established through wickedness. Listen, no stability, friends, is ever going to come to a family, to a community, to a city, to a state, to a nation, and to a world through wickedness, through ungodliness. And you will never bring stability into your life through wicked or ungodly means. Friends, listen now. There is no true stability outside of God's word. Did you get that? And we're seeing that right now in our own country, right? As it relates to home and, and to marriage and to family. Then he says, but the contrast, the righteous, I love this, the righteous cannot be what? Say it, uprooted. And this is a picture of a tree that is flourishing because what? It has deep roots. Say deep roots. And what comes to mind, and I want you to turn to that, if you can, go back, because in Psalm chapter 1, turn to that if you, if you can. If not, it's fine, but Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, because I want to kind of park it here for a moment. This is a picture of a tree that is flourishing because it has deep roots. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, Psalmist writes, Blessed is the man who does not walk, does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. Verse 2 of Psalm chapter 1 says this, But his delight is in the law of the, say it, Lord, and on his law he what? Meditates day and night. Now I want to stop there because I want you to notice that in verse 1 of Psalm 1, we're told what the blessed person does not do, right? Does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. 
in verse 2 of Psalm chapter 1, we're told what that person does. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates what? Day and night. In verse 3, we're going to read right now, in verse 3, we're going to see what that person is like as a result of following verses 1 and 2. Guys got it? Here we go. He is like a what? A tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he or she does prospers. Did you get it? Follow me. Blessed is the believer who's separated from the world, who is saturated with the word, and who's situated by the water. That believer cannot be uprooted. Got it? A tree planted by the river is never dry. It's never wilted. And that being said, the believer who lives close to God, the believer who lives close to his word, will never be dry or wilted. They will be deeply rooted. Therefore, they will be vibrant, lively, and productive. It's sad that some believers never know the joy of drawing from God and his word. And as a result, they're spiritually wilted and dead-looking. On the other hand, the droughts of life and the dry seasons never seem to affect the believer who's planted near the river, who's planted in the word. They're connected to an unfailing source of life and strength. There's stability, there, there's, there's stability and durability because their lives are built upon the firm foundation. Say the word of God. And therefore, it's a stable life, a life that bears witness to others. So this begs the question, how do we situate ourselves by the waters? How do we do that? I mean, don't you want to be one who is rooted deeply? Well, how do we do that? By spending time in the Word. We must spend time in the Word of God. This is how we get deep roots. By being nourished by the Word of God. Also in prayer. Spending time in prayer. Being committed to church. Why is it so important to be committed to church? I'll tell you why. Because it's here where you hear God's Word. It's here where you're connected with the community, right? How about this, Bible study, because there's where you hear God's word. Serving connects you with each other. It's there where the roots of our hearts are watered, where God's spirit feeds us and leads us. So here's the lesson. Are you ready for the lesson? Build upon God's word. Build upon God's word. There's stability, right? Stability that comes into your home, into your family, into your business, into your community, right? There's stability when you build upon God's Word. Listen, if, you, if you're rooted and you're grounded in God's Word and the things of God, He's going to bless your life. So don't go, listen, don't go to a place of drought. Okay, don't go there. And don't stay away from the living water Remain close to God and His Word so that you will be deeply rooted, unmoved, or removed. Can I get an amen? Okay. Verse 4, a wife of noble character is her husband's crown. So just as a crown identifies a man as royalty to others, 
a noble woman does the same by bringing her husband honor and dignity. Let's look at the text again, because we could spend all day here, but we're not. A wife of noble character. This is speaking about a virtuous woman, not a virtual or voluptuous woman, okay? You guys with me? But rather a virtuous woman. In fact, in Ruth chapter 3, verse 11, ladies, you should know this. Ruth 3, 11, Boaz complimented Ruth by saying that she was a virtuous woman, a woman of noble character. And we're going to see more on the virtuous woman in chapter 31 at the very end of this series. Virtuous simply means righteous, ethical, means upright, blameless, honesty, trustworthy, honorable. In Hebrew, the word virtuous is kahil. Say that. Say kahil. That means strength or might. In Hebrew, virtuous, kahil, strength or might. That being said, this virtuous woman, she's not a strong woman, but a woman of strength. You guys with me? Because there's a big difference between the two. And I want you to follow me. Don't try to write this down. Okay, a strong woman works out every day to keep her body in shape. But a woman of strength kneels in prayer to keep her soul in shape. A strong woman isn't afraid of anything, but a woman of strength shows courage in the midst of her fear. A strong woman won't let anyone get the best of her, but a woman of strength gives the best of herself to everyone. A strong woman walks sure-footedly, but a woman of strength knows knows God will catch her when she falls. A strong woman wears the look of confidence on her face, but a woman of strength wears grace. A strong woman has faith that she is strong enough for the journey, but a woman of strength has faith that it's in the journey that she will become strong. You see, this kind of woman, a a virtuous woman, a woman of strength, of noble character, is a blessing to her husband. She's her husband's crown. She brings him joy. Got that? But (laughs) a disgraceful wife is like, what, decay in his bones. In other words, she eats his strength. She diminishes him as a man. And sadly, there are some wives who, do, who, excuse me, who don't do their husbands good, and there are some husbands who don't do their wives good, but the text is about a wife. We're going to talk about men later on in this series, right? So you better be ready, men, okay? Now I want to say this. It's a sad thing when a wife brings shame to her husband by criticizing or mocking him in front of her family and friends. Also, by undermining his authority. Also, who talks to him like he's a child. That's disrespecting and diminishing him. It's sucking the life out of him and strength out of him. Instead of bringing him joy, she brings him pain. Just like decaying bones cause severe pain. Ladies, let me tell you something about men. By the way, I'm doing a wedding today at 5 o'clock, okay? Men spell love 
not S-E-X, okay? Okay, get your mind out of the gutter. Okay, all right? Okay, are you guys with me? R-E-S-P-E-C-T, respect. Respect. The Bible tells the wives to respect the husbands and tells the husbands to love the wives. Are you guys with me? You ought to respect him. And when you respect him, you respect him, you are being a wife of noble character in your husband's crown. Are you guys with me, ladies? Got it? All right. Verses 5 through 12, the plans of the righteous are just, but the the advice of the wicked is deceitful. So this is talking about righteous thoughts, intentions, and plans spring from the hearts of those who love God. And what they do is they desire what's fair and honest for themselves and others, but the wicked, this is now, the wicked schemer always plans for that which results in evil. Verse 6, the words of the wicked lie in wait for blood. In other words, they trap with false accusations. But there's a contrast. The speech of the upright rescue them. I love this because through wisdom, say wisdom, through wisdom and instruction, the wise are able to avoid this kind of trap and offer guidance designed to rescue those who would otherwise be deceived. Verse 7, wicked men are overthrown and are no more. In other words, listen now, the evil don't last. Someone say amen. The evil don't last. But, the contrast, the house of the righteous stands firm. So there's that stability again. Rooted in righteousness, right? Verse 8, a man is praised according to his what? Wisdom. But men with a warped minds, men with warped minds are are despised. So wisdom results in honor, wisdom results in respect, but crooked or warped thinking results in disrespect. Verse 9, better to be a nobody and yet have a servant than pretend to be somebody and have no food. Do you get that? In other words, it's better to live within your means, okay, and be comfortable than one who pretends to be somebody but doesn't have enough to eat, or someone who drives a nice car who, or who wears the latest styles of clothes but lives in a home that's fallen apart from neglect. Ah. Verse 10. A righteous man cares for the needs of his animal. This is interesting. <laughs> this is interesting. This is a characteristic of a righteous person. In fact, as I did my study on this, Compassion towards animals tends to be an indicator of character. That's interesting, huh? You see, a righteous person is kind, right? Is kind, and that kindness extends to animals. They care about all life, including animal life. Now, I just want to be honest with you, okay, because I I don't care for cats, okay? But I don't treat them cruelly, right? I'm not cruel to them. In fact, what was really interesting is I just... So every, every Saturday evening, I, this is my habit, I go out in the front, sit there on the front on the cement with my Bible, and um, I go over my notes. And I kid you not, as I was going over my, I came to this point about the animals. I don't like cats, okay? I mean, I'm not cruel to them, okay? But as I was doing, reading this point, I look up, there's a cat sitting right next door in the lawn and just looking at me. 
and I'm like, okay, are you trying to tell me something, God, or what? I don't know. But the cat looked at me, then turned over and was doing this and turned back and kept looking at me through the whole time I was studying. So I don't know, okay. But I want to say this too. This, this, this is not necessar- necessarily saying that a righteous person has to be an animal lover. You don't have to be an animal lover, right? It just means that they're not cruel to animals. And by the way, I know people who treat their animals better than they treat people. Yeah? Are you guys with me? But he says, but the kindness acts, kindest acts of the wicked are cruel. In other words, what he's saying is this. Even the supposed mercies of the wicked have their own cruel self-interest in mind. That's sad. Verse 11, he who works his land will have abundant food. In other words, they will enjoy the result of their labor. Now, I want to stop there because I want to say this. My, my daddy, you guys, all you guys know who my daddy is. He's with the Lord now, but he taught me to work hard. As I mentioned to you, Brother Dave is a hard worker, man. Okay? But my daddy was the hardest working man I've ever known. Hardest working man I've ever known. And he worked hard for everything he had. And he, my daddy, never, he never lived his life expecting a handout or that people owed him anything. And that's what I learned from my daddy. That's what I learned from him, friends. Work hard for everything. Do what needs to be done when it ought to be done. And the reason why I say this is because nobody owes you anything. Some of you may not like that, but nobody owes you anything. And I tell you that because, sadly, we live in a culture today who thinks that everybody owes them something. Right? Rather than working hard for it. And my daddy taught me that very principle, and I thank God for that. Whatever I do, I'm going to work hard at doing it. You're not going to outwork me. Sorry. Maybe you might, I don't know, but my dad told me to work hard, amen? But, here we go, but he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. In other words, the one who lives for the vain and and superficial things of life lacks something worse than bread. They lack sense. They lack understanding. Verse 12, look at verse 12. This is interesting. The wicked desire the plunder of evil men. What is that saying? The wicked desire the plunder of evil men. In other words, they are even jealous for what evil people have. Is that crazy? Wicked people are never content with what they have. You guys notice that? Yeah? But, see, but, the root, love this, but the root, there's again, the root of the righteous flourish. In other words, the righteous don't need to covet. Are you with me? Why? Because they are like fruit-bearing trees. In other words, content. And friends, as Christians, we ought, we ought to be the most contented people on the face of the earth. Amen? Not coveting, not wishing, oh, I had that. No, I'm content with what God has given me. I've worked hard for it. Thank you, Lord. I'm content. Right? And I will flourish because God is blessing me because I am rooted in righteousness. The value of righteousness, number two, is, here we go, avoiding trouble. Avoiding trouble. Verses 13 through 16, an evil man is trapped by his sinful talk. 
In other words, evil people eventually get caught by their own lies, right? And end up suffering for it. But, here's a contrast, but a righteous man, woman, escapes trouble. Listen, because a righteous man, woman, speaks truth, they will not be condemned. Isn't that good news? And since they tell the truth, they don't have to worry about catching themselves in their own lies. They're truthful. Truthful. 14, from the fruit of his lips, a man is filled with good things. Say good things. As surely as the work of his hands rewards him. So in other words, their good, kind, encouraging words, their good, kind, encouraging words will bring life to themselves and others and receive what they work for. Love that. Free the lips filled with good things. Verse 15, the way of a fool seems right to him. Now this sounds like the book of Judges, doesn't it? The way of the fool seems right to him. Where in the book of Judges it says everyone did right what was right, right, right in his own eyes. Which is a description of what? Of our society today. Isn't it? Everyone in our country does what is right in their own eyes, and they think that they got it all dialed in. They don't listen to advice, no accountability. And I want to say this, a fool is set in their own way and refuses to listen to others. That's, that's our society. A fool, right, is set in their own ways and refuses to listen to others. That's our society. But, see, but, a wise man or woman listens to advice. Gosh, I love that. The wise person values, got to get this, Values, say values, the opinions of others rather than just their own opinions. You see, got to get this. A fool is one who is independent. Are you guys with me? In other words, I'm good. I'm good. I, I don't need anyone or anyone's advice. I don't need for you to tell me what to do or correct me. They're independent. But a wise person, if you're wise, say amen, come on, is accountable and interdependent. You guys with me? In other words, this is a wise person. Hey, I'm going to this. What do you think I should do? Should I do this or that? Is this the right thing to do? I need your advice. I need wisdom. That's a wise person. Right? They got folks around them. And they ask him for their advice, but the fool doesn't. We're accountable. As wise, we're accountable and interdependent. I need you. You need me. We need each other's advice. Someone say amen. 16, a fool shows his annoyance at once. The New Living Translation says it like this. A fool is quick-tempered. Hey, have you got a quick temper? What does that make you? <laughs> a fool. Right? A fool. That's what the scriptures say. I want you to write this down. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. We spend a lot of time on this in the book of James. Faith in action. But James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. And James writes, My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Verse 20. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness Say righteousness that God desires. In other words, let me say, let me put it this way. Angry Christians, 
I'm talking to you, Christians. Angry Christians give the wrong impression about Christianity. They don't produce the kind of righteousness that God expects from them. Did you get that? Then he says, but, here we go, the contrast. But a prudent man or woman overlooks an insult. Gosh, I love this. We could spend all day on this. But a prudent man overlooks an insult. The New Living Translation says, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. In other words, friends, they thoughtfully respond to situations. Thoughtfully respond to situations instead of making an immediate impulsive response. So here's the lesson. You ready for the lesson? Weigh your words. Weigh your words. you got to weigh your words. Put your mind in gear before you engage your mouth. That's what a wise person does. Before they say, I'm going to weigh these words. Should I say them? Should I not say them? When should I say them? Right now is not the right time to say them. I'm going to weigh my words. They're putting their mind in gear before they engage their mouth. And listen, and I want to say this. I said this many times in the book of James and throughout my years as your pastor, the person who thinks by the inch and speaks by the yard ought to be kicked by the foot. Right? Weigh your words. Weigh your words. A wise person does that. Verses 17 through 18, you still with me? Say amen. A truthful witness gives honest testimony. In other words, what it does, it promotes righteousness. Say righteousness. But, here's the contrast, a false witness tells lies. They promote deceit. So we as Christians, what we do, we promote righteousness, right? Righteousness. Truthful witnesses. But the false promote deceit. Verse 18, reckless words pierce like a sword. I want to stop there. Some people, unfortunately, use words as weapons. Right? You know that saying, we've heard that saying many times, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words or names will never hurt me. That's not true. That's not true. You can always, if you break your your arm or your leg, you can always put a sling or a cast on it and and it'll heal. But words, they stick. Right? Right? In fact, snide remarks, gossip, undue criticism, cursing, name-calling, and false accusation, that hurts people. That hurts people. Reckless words, reckless words pierce like a sword, but here's the contrast, and I love this, the tongue of the wise, say wise, brings what? Say it. Healing brings it. Wise people, if you're wise, wise people use their words to encourage and to promote healing and comfort. That's us, Christians. Here's a lesson. Our words hurt or heal. We have a choice. Our words hurt or heal. And I want to say this. Our words, my words, your words, they can cut like a butcher knife or heal like a scalpel. I want you to write this down. Chapter 18, verse 21a. Aren't you loving this series? Chapter 18, verse 21a of Proverbs says, the tongue has the power of what? Say it, life and death. We're going to get more into that, deeper into that down the line. But our words, in other words, our words can inspire positive or negative responses. It can build up or it can tear down. And I want to tell you, if you're safe, say amen. Listen, Christians, I know it's easier said than done at times, but listen, our words need to bring health and healing to those around us. 
Amen? Your words will either hurt someone or heal them. Verses 19 to 25, truthful lips endure forever. Don't you love that? But a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Truth will always outlast lies. Don't forget that. Truth will always outlast lies, even if it may not seem so at the time. Truth prevails. Can, can I get a witness? Amen. David Guzik said this, God looks after those who love the truth and speak the truth. Under his blessings, they will be, I love this, established forever. So be a truth teller. Verse 20, there is deceit in the hearts of those who plot evil, but joy. Say joy. Come on, say it like you have it. Say joy. Joy, but joy for those who promote peace. So what he's saying is plotting evil only results in pain and sorrow, but promoting peace, listen now, results in joy, joy and contentment. The most joyful believers you see are believers Listen now for its believers who promote peace. Peace. They're content. Are you guys with me? Let me ask you this. Do you promote pain and sorrow or promote joy and contentment and peace? Verse 21, no harm befalls or overtakes the righteous. I'm going to read that again. No harm befalls, that word she also be overtakes the righteous. And I want if you're safe, say amen. I want you to get this. Okay, please get this. This doesn't mean that we don't ever deal with problems. It doesn't mean we don't ever deal with challenges and difficulties. Rather, that we don't face them alone. That God, say God, is with us in every single trial. And every single trial, what he's doing, he's supplying grace, strength, and hope. That in the light of eternity, no trouble, no grave trouble will overtake us. Amen? I don't know what you're going through right now, what you're facing. I know what I'm going through. And this was encouraging to me that God is with me. He's with you. Amen? Supplying that grace, supplying that strength, supplying that hope. Those things will not overtake us. Amen? But, contrast, the wicked have their full, excuse me, their fill of trouble. On the other hand, the wicked lack the comforting presence of God when they encounter trials and do not have, listen now, an eternal hope. Verse 22, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men, women who are what? Truthful. God hates lies. Bottom line, he hates lies. Why does he hate lies? Why does God hate lies? Because he's a God of truth. Right? And because he's a God of truth, guess what he does? He delights in those who tell the truth. Hey, let me say, do you want God to delight in you? I mean, is that mind-blowing? Is that mind-blowing? Don't you want God to delight in you? Then be a truth teller. Verse 23, a prudent man, woman, keeps his or her knowledge to themselves. Now, I'm going to read that again because I want to I let you know what that's saying. A prudent man, woman, keeps his or her knowledge to him or herself. This doesn't mean that they don't speak up, okay? It doesn't mean that they don't speak up. They just, rather, they just wait, say wait, for the right opportunity to speak. 
Okay? In other words, to speak effectively. You see, wisdom produces discretion. Right? It weighs things. Should I, should I not? Is this, should I do this? Is it wise to do this or not? Now, I want you to get this. The ability, the ability to keep control of one's tongue is a sign of wisdom. Got that? The ability, listen now, the ability to keep control of one's tongue is a sign of wisdom. Wise people control their tongues. But, here we go, but the heart of fools blurts out folly. In other words, they're quick to speak. I mean, it's, like, it's likely to spit out some, something foolish rather than helpful. It's like blah, blah, blah. They don't care. They don't stop and think about what to say. They just blurt out. And because they do that, they hurt people in the process because they don't think it through as a wise person would think it through. You guys with me? Verse 24, diligent hands will rule. In other words, what Solomon's saying simply is hard work brings success and promotion. Right? As I said many times, we as Christians ought to be the hardest working people in the workforce, in the workplace. And if, listen, if you work hard, you work hard, most likely they'll see how you work and they'll, they'll promote you. Diligence is the mark of a Christian. But, here we go, but laziness, here we go, ends in slave labor. In other words, they will be ruled over by others. Verse 25, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. I love that. An anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. I love this. Why? Because encouragement promotes hope. Say hope. And I want to say this. You see, encouragement costs little from the one who gives it, but can do enormous good, enormous good for the one who receives it. So let me ask you this. Who, who do you know right now that needs encouragement? Who is it around in your life, in your family, church family, at work, wherever it might be, a neighborhood? I don't know, friends, who needs encouragement. One who has an anxious heart. One who just needs a word of encouragement. One who needs to be cheered up by you. Who is it? And if you know that person, you see that person, give them a word of encouragement. Cheer them up. Cheer her up. Amen? We as Christians ought to be encouragers. Amen? So be mindful as you go about your day, your work, whatever it might be, that when you see someone downcast, encourage them. Verse 26, a righteous man, woman is cautious in friendships. Why? Because they become like the people they embrace as friends. Why? Listen, we are often, often influenced by our friends. Whether we realize it or not, we are. 1 Corinthians 15.33, remember this? 1 Corinthians 15.33, bad company corrupts good character. Right? Right? It just does. I can tell you who you are. Just show me the company you hang out with. Simple as that. But the way of the wicked leads them astray. In other words, those who are ungodly, those, those who are ungodly will draw people in the wrong direction. So be very careful who your friends are. Are you guys with me? Are they influencing you? 
Or are you influencing them? Verse 27, we're almost wrapping this up. The lazy man does not roast his game. I'm going to read that again. The lazy man does not roast his game. In other words, laziness results, results in never getting the job done. The lazy one may hunt, may hunt, but never cooks the food they caught. <laughs> but, say but, the diligent. Here we go. Diligent man or woman prizes his or her possessions. In other words, they get the job done. They get the job done and make wise use of it. Make wise use of it. All right? We are to be self-starters. We are to get the job done. We are to be hard workers. Right? See what needs to be done and get it done. Verse 28. If you're still with me, say amen. We're almost done here. <laughs> Verse 28. And I love this. I'm going to wrap this up. In the way of righteousness. There's that word again, righteousness, right? Ethical conduct, right? Righteousness. There is life. Say life. Along the path is immortality. In the way of righteousness, there is life. Along the path is immortality. There's no death. So the way of righteousness, say that. What's the title of our message? Rooted in the way of righteousness, get that now, the way, the way of righteousness, one who's right with God and right with his word, right? The way of righteousness, in other words, in God's way, in, in his way, produces life, not death. Got it? This ought to stir up a sense of joy in your heart. Amen? So here's a lesson, and we're going to close with this. The righteous enjoy a good life now and even better life in eternity. Yeah? I mean, you ought to clap for that. Yeah, you ought to clap. Come on, church. The righteous, the righteous, rooted in righteousness, enjoy a good life now. Enjoy it. You're rooted in even better life in eternity. So I tell you as your pastor, as your friend, as a brother in Christ, be encouraged, be blessed, be rooted in righteousness. Amen? Come on, praise them. Let's all stand.